Jamie. Welcome to the Canine Cooperative Podcast. Okay. So, welcome to our fourth ever podcast. Yay! Number four. Number four. Woohoo! This is so fun. So, a little backstory, a little context for you folks folks listening over the wire <laughs> over the wireless we got to create a picture right now of what's going on we're sitting outside there's a very like lovely babbling waterfall in the background we're outside there's fireflies alight there's campfire happening we're uh we're we're having ourselves a time over here and a perfect time to podcast yeah around the fire so sabrina what are we talking about tonight so, we are talking about resource guarding tonight. Ooh, I love it. I love it. I feel like this is a super popular one because it's been coming up a lot A lately. lot, a lot, yes. And specifically, we're going to discuss resource guarding in humans, mm-hmm. like with humans or against humans. Yeah. And um, how that gets created because most of the time when you're dealing with resource guarding... It's an actual man-made behavior. It's not something that a dog necessarily inherently comes into your mm. home with. Yeah. So I don't know what your experience is, but like I do not find that the majority of resource guarding um, cases that I get have anything to do with genetics. No. It's something that kind of manifests itself over time. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, let, let's clarify some things. Okay. What what exactly is resource guarding? When people say resource guarding, what behaviors are they talking about? What does that look like to people at home? So generally, when people contact us for resource guarding, they are talking about their dogs having possessions. And if they were to go and try to take those possessions, their dog would get a little snarky. And snarky is growling, biting, snapping, um, lunging, you know, depending on what point they are in the the whole guarding cycle. Yes. Yeah. Um, And one thing that I find myself explaining a lot before we delve into this is what exactly is a resource? So when I talk to people about resource guarding, most of the people say... Oh, but he's fine around his food bowl. Sure. Um, And that's kind of the misconception when we talk about this, is most people think that dogs will only guard or be aggressive or possessive, because that's another way to to talk about it, is possessive or aggressive or anything like that, um, over their food, their kibble, their dinner, their breakfast. Something that's tangible that you can see. Right. Or edible. Right. Um, And this is where it gets tricky. Yeah. Because those kinds of garters are at least obvious. Right? right. <laughs> it's it's a predictable trigger, right? right? He only does it around mealtime or if you give him like a bully stick mm-hmm. or a certain kind of bone, like those types of things. And what's kind of what's kind of cool right now is the the podcast that we did prior kind of lead up to this, right? Because our mm. one before this was out of nowhere. Yeah. And so this is one of those situations like if you have a dog that guards space or maybe guards a human, yep. you're not going to realize that, um, that that dog is necessarily guarding something. And then when the aggressive um, 
outburst happens, you think it came out, out of, of nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. Right. So resources can be anything that your dog thinks is most valuable to them at the time. So that can be a human being, mom, dad, whoever they, they love the most that they're laying with. That could be a sleeping spot like the couch or the chair or... Um, their personal space. They don't want to be touched. They don't want to be handled. Right, their own bodies. Their own right? bodies. Uh, that could be a piece of tissue that they stole out of the garbage or a sock. So or what funny happened. story. A case that I had this dog. And so this is where it gets interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. you could give this dog a full on bone. Yeah. Right? Meaty bone. And the dog would give it to you without a problem. However, this dog used to jump up on counters and steal Yankee candles. No joke. Yankee Yankee candles. Yankee candles? And pull them off of the counter. Well, they do smell good. They do, right? He must have been into like sage and citrus. That's my favorite stuff, Or the cookie one. Isn't there a cookie one? Or the apple pie. They have an apple pie that legit smells like apple pie. I like the beach one, too. Sun and sand, Uh sage and citrus. Yeah, I like the ones that taste like, that smell like food. Yeah. Yeah. So he would take these candles and then guard them with his life Mm. to a point where if you entered the room he would launch at you right but the point is is not that you know of course as as humans we're like what the hell man yeah it's it's a candle but at the end of the day it's something that your dog deems valuable and that can literally be anything from food to a ball of lint as long as your dog finds that that thing is valuable and that they want to hold on to that possession right and sometimes that could be just something as simple as like they went to the trouble Mm -hmm. of digging it or stealing it or grabbing it or whatever so they think that's valuable so that's what resource guarding is in a nutshell it's a it's your dog is going i have something that i found valuable i'm near something that i find valuable and i'm going to growl hover, snap, charge at whoever I think is going to take this from me. And lo and behold, the behavior works. Yeah. And so that's where you get aggression Mm -hmm. out of resource guarding because generally speaking, when a dog launches at you, you're going to back off. You're going to back off. (laughs) So the behavior works. Yes. It's scary. No matter what size they are, Chihuahua or Rottweiler, it doesn't matter. I'm more scared of the Rottweiler. She's more scared of the Chihuahua. Chihuahua. Give me the Rotty any day of the week. (laughs) That little thing. They're like piranhas. They, 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 no. No. I did have a little Jack Russell hanging from my finger once. See, that's what I'm talking about. They're scary. (laughs) Um... So let's talk about how, so there's a genetic component, right? There's definitely a genetic component to this where, um, you know, dogs are, are born kind of in competition with each other where, you know, they're fighting for food when it comes to mom, they're fighting for food when it comes to like when they're moved to solid foods and all that kind of stuff. And some dogs just have a predisposition for this behavior. However, that's not what we're addressing. We're addressing the man-made versions of resource guarding because there's a nine times out of 10, I feel like it's, that's what it is. It is. And there's a huge I don't know how this started, but it's ancient. It's it's been oh, around for as long. I know long. exactly where you're yes. going. 
I, it's been around for as long as I've been around dogs. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure our dog is okay with, our dog is not a resource guarder. We want to make sure our dog is okay around food. So we're going to stick our hands in their face, up their nose, pull on their ears while they're eating. Correct. Ugh. Yes. Could you Ugh. imagine? Could you imagine if someone did that to you? I bite people today. I absolutely. I, I'm, I'm a resource guarder. Don't touch oh, my yes, food. Oh, yes, we talk about that. Yeah, yes. I do not touch my food. Jamie's a shelter dog. I am. <laughs> Very unadoptable. <laughs> Thank God I have Sabrina. Nobody would walk me. I signed off on those papers. <laughs> so, to that point, people get very handsy when dogs have food. Yes. So, the, the, let's unpack this a little yes. bit. Like the, it's, I don't know where it started or where this theory came from, but it's kind of um, permeated dog society dog ownership society for several years oh that, i literally hear it all the time yes that if you want to make sure that your dog is good around food i'm using big air quotes yes because that's usually what they say it's mm -hmm. like we got this puppy we want to make sure he's good around food mm -hmm. first of all i don't really think people know what that means but they want to make sure the dog is good around food big air quotes but and then what they do is they begin to they give the dog food like, let's say it's kibble in a bowl, mm -hmm. and then they start petting the dog while they're eating, and then pushing their face out of the bowl, and handling With their hands. With their hands, and, like, reaching into the bowl, and, and getting in their dog's face, and touching the dog, and caressing the dog. Or if they're doing it with a bone, they give the dog, and the dog's chewing the bone, they pet the dog while the dog's chewing the bone, then they take the dog's bone away, and then mm -hmm. they give it back, and then they take it away, and then they give it back. And all of these things... And this is what we want to address tonight because this is one big myth that I have worked and I know you've worked mm -hmm. so hard with your clients to debunk is that you're actually causing your dog to be a resource guarding dog. Yep. So why is that? Why does that method not create the opposite of what people, why does that method create the opposite of what people are trying to achieve? Right. So, and there's, there's various contexts that this occurs in too. It's not just necessarily mealtime. It's like when dogs steal stuff, mm. but, and we can unpack we'll that there. separately. We'll yeah. yeah. So when you have a dog that is eating their food and you are putting yourself in an unnecessary position of competition, right? There's no reason for your dog not to eat in peace. So yeah. you have a resource that's down and there's only one of them. Yep. And to your dog, it seems like you're competing for that resource and you're applying a lot of pressure yeah. in that scenario by touching him, by coming into their space. Yeah. And so they have... a they basically have like a tolerance level. Yeah. Right? Like, so it might go well for maybe the first couple months because the dog's like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, this is weird. <laughs> right? Okay. Sure. But then after a while, your dog's going to get fed up because they're like, every time I eat, you got to stick your hands up my nose. Mm -hmm. Like, every time I'm eating, you have to pet me. Yep. And I, I'm always saying this to the people that I work with. I'm like, turn your dog into a, a person. A, a person. Yeah. Would you do you do this? You to know, your children? funny story. Oh no! I, Please I, do not tell me somebody did this to a child. No, they did it. They did it to Sean, my boyfriend. Oh no! We were out. 
eating. I've told you this story. You know where I'm going. We were out oh, eating. God. And some drunk asshole <laughs> literally <laughs> came. Like, we're at a, like, at a bar. Like, we're not, like, at a party. Like, we're, like, you know, this is a stranger. Literally comes up to him and just takes a fry right off of his plate. And his first response was, like, oh, my God, I would have decked him. Like, obviously, we're in public. It's just, right. like, whatever. You suck it up. But, like. That was his first response. I want to deck him. Yeah, like, deck him. Yes. So it's just, it's, it's a normal reaction, even from people. Yeah. Yes. Because it's, it, you want to eat your food in, in peace. Mm-hmm. You, you, you want to be left alone while you're eating. And, and that's one of those things about respect. Now, you can. And also, real quick, it's a, it's a sustainable resource, right? It's food. It's something yeah. that your dog needs to have to survive. Yes. yes. And you're putting yourself in direct competition with that. Yes. And, like, competition and pressure, yes, but it's freaking annoying. Yeah, aside from everything else, yes. Like, it's freaking annoying. Your dog just wants to eat in peace, and you've got your hands in the bowl, and you're touching it, like, all the time. So what this does is it creates a really uncomfortable situation... To the point where your dog's going, you're not stopping, so therefore I have to tell you to stop in a way that you'll understand. Mm -hmm. And they do that in the dog way. Correct. Which is growl, snap. And because dogs are cause and effect learners, they go, well, the only way you stop touching me is if I growl, snap at you. So then you create an association that every time you walk up to the food bowl... It means that you're going to fuss with their food and mm-hmm. fuss with them. And the only way the dog gets you to not fuss with them is to growl snap. And so then, piggybacking off of that, dogs are contextual learners. So if this occurs every time that they're eating, they're already going to go to the bowl with that kind of negative connotation. They're ready. They're right? ready to defend themselves and that's where this stuff turns into just like maybe being stiff maybe growling maybe a little snap turns into full-on lunging and chasing you across the kitchen yes so because resource guarding is a very um it's a leaky behavior Mm -hmm. so it's it spreads it's 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 almost contagious so it's like i call it the 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 leaky faucet of dog behaviors because you think you just have a drip that's manageable with a bowl under the sink, right? But the longer you let that drip, the longer the water damage is going to spread. And the next thing you know, you've got rotten cabinets, you've got mold everywhere, and it's spreading to the entire area around it because your dog is jumping to the conclusion of they know what happened. So the behavior then starts not just with you approaching the bowl, if left unattended, then it's just... The, you being in the room. You being in the room. It, it starts as soon as you open the cabinet that you keep the food bowl mm-hmm. in. It starts in as soon as you walk into the kitchen because your dog's like, here we go again. Right. It's almost like a toxic relationship where you're like, every time... I know what's going to happen. Yeah, every right? time I mention, like, your mother, <laughs> we get into this Not argument. my mother. No. <laughs> My mother's delightful. Every time we mention your mother, we get into this argument. Right. So, like, as soon as your mother's name pops up in the caller ID, you're like, here we go. Yep. So you start having those feelings, and your dog has experienced the same thing around food. And and even though your intent was to make sure your dog was good around food, 
You've created this situation. Correct. So, now let's go to when dogs steal stuff. Oh. And that kind of creates a different type of resource guarding where your dog is actually trying to engage with you. But then the pressure builds so much that they end up turning aggressive. So what this looks like is your dog stealing anything. Something off the counter, something out of, out of your hamper, a sock, your underwear, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And dogs start to learn very quickly that if they want to activate you. Yes. If they go for their toys, if they go for the things that they're supposed to have... You don't get activated. No. You leave right? it alone. You leave it alone. When they grab something that they're not supposed to have, you jump up and automatically start engaging your dog. Yeah. So in the beginning, it starts as an innocent game. But your dog has something that they're not supposed to have. So your emotions also come into play, right? So you're getting frustrated, frantic maybe, depending on what they have. And now we start to chase the dog. Yeah. And that fun little game that our dog was engaging us in has now turned into him fleeing. Yeah, a conflict. And you eventually cornering the dog. Mm -hmm. And maybe initially it starts with you corner the dog and you're trying to pry open his mouth. Yes. Right? But again, it's, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of conflict. Right? You're cornering your dog. You're being very physical with them. And in the future, when this happens, again, they're going to remember that moment. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Like, that moment doesn't start out of, like, you being a bully or you right. being mean. That you're, trying moment, to, you're trying to save right. your dog from you're something going, that they shouldn't be eating. Dear God, please don't swallow my panties mm-hmm. because I don't want to have to go to the vet and have you have surgery. Right. Right? Or drop that chicken bone or, like, let go of the baby's pacifier. Whatever Whatever it is. It is. But like Sabrina said, usually it starts with boredom. Your dog goes, well, you're not paying attention to me. I'm bored. Yep. But I know every time I grab your panties, you're going to get up and chase me around the house. That's fun. Right. But then what your dog starts off with the conversation as engagement quickly turns sour because your dog's like, oh, shit, she's pissed and she's coming for me. And that's that's an important conversation about emotions, right? Like the more neutral you are with your dog, the better. Yep. Because your dog doesn't know, right? We're just being, as Jamie cracks in half some wood to put on the fire. Listen, we're having a moment out here. It's a nice ambiance. You should join us. There's crackling fire. I love my mountain woman. I love her. Listen, I keep it real, okay? Oh, where were we? What were we just saying before you just broke that piece of wood? Listen, I'm just getting confrontational. It's a resource. Neutrality. Yes. All right. So we go towards our dogs. And dogs are... So <laughs> the way dogs learn and pick things up is they pick up on emotion. They pick up on these yeah. things that you are putting out there. And you are coming aggressively at your dog. Right. And then your dog feels like he needs to defend himself. And yeah. he's like, dude, this just started as a game. What's going on? Yeah. Like, why are you so upset? Right. And and your intent to your frustration um, comes across as, a, as, like Sabrina said, as aggression. So your re- dog's responding in kind. Um, 
So those situations are, are super confrontational because usually how it starts is like you're, you're washing the dishes, sending emails, doing whatever. And all of a sudden you see Sammy staring at you with a sock hanging out of his Fucking face. Sammy. Fucking Sammy. <laughs> you see Sammy staring at you with a sock hanging out of his face, standing like hovered in the hallway. And it starts like this. Sammy, no, drop it, no, Sammy, drop it. And you're like, and the dog's like, game on. Yep. And the dog's, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and the dog starts running around the house. And, you're, and then you get frustrated because you're like, don't swallow that sock. Right. Don't swallow the sock. Don't destroy the sock. No. And then you're chasing the dog around the house. You finally grab the dog by the collar, pin him over, and he's got the sock locked in his jaws. You're now hovering over the dog. Holding him you with the collar. You need a pry bar to get his mouth open. You're digging around in his mouth, and your dog's like, oh, man, she's really going to put a beat down on me. Right? And I was just wanting to play a little bit. And so everyone, just for a second, put yourself in your dog's shoes. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's really intense. Mm-hmm. Really intense. And it goes from just very lighthearted to aggression very quickly. Yeah. And the more that we do that over and over and over and over, the more that's just, again, going to be the dog's go-to, like we were talking about before with the food in the uh-huh. kitchen or yeah. wherever you're feeding your dog. So these are ways that you are actually creating... Creating a resource guarding behavior. Exactly. A very defensive dog. Yep. Um, because if a dog wants to keep something, their instinct is to hover, growl, snap, and chase away competitors. Mm-hmm. So by putting yourself in that competitor role, you're, you're triggering that behavior. So let's talk about like some ways that we can help resolve this. Mm-hmm. Or what should we do Instead when of. we feed our dogs their meals? Yeah. And what should we do if we see our dogs have something that they shouldn't have? Mm-hmm. And also identifying if your dog is guarding something that maybe isn't so obvious, like maybe a person or maybe space. space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your, what's one of the ways you set up dogs for success around food? Like, let's say you bring a new puppy. What are some of your favorite ways to set a dog up for success around food? So part of this whole thing with guarding is the association of your approach. Mm -hmm. So I like to do a lot of counter conditioning when it comes to dogs eating food. So your approach means something good. So instead of going up to your dog and molesting them while they eat... (laughs) or trying to take what they have, you actually bring something to the table, right? So your dog goes from that, that hovering, like you'll see, like if your dog's guarding something, they get small. They, they try to cover the thing that they they have. They get creepy. They get creepy. The hair on the back of your neck stands up. Yeah. They get like the creeper stare where they freeze and they look at you. And you know what's going to happen. You're like, oh, Sammy's coming. Fucking Sammy. Fucking Sammy. So if you change that narrative and you are approaching your dog and you're like, here, have this really great piece of chicken. Yeah. Right? And you just kind of drop it next to them. They're like, holy shit. Yeah. What was that? Yeah. And so then when your dog has um, food or has something, your approach automatically means something great, not, oh my God. 
they're going to take this thing from me. And your dog flips from that um, kind of covering, getting small, that type of behavior. And you'll see them literally open up and look up towards you. So that's the brain shift. Yes. And I did that approach. That's my favorite as well. Both of my dogs were... um, resource garters as puppies they came from severely large litters queen came from a litter of 11 Mm. and fetch came from a litter of 10 but fetch's mother rejected the litter when he was like five six weeks old so they were already like so they were already hard uh, yes not hard food but you know what i mean yeah puppy slurry (laughs) yeah puppy slurry so like they had to compete with their brothers and sisters to get fed as an organic, like, as just a natural mother's nature, like, survival of the fittest mm-hmm. type thing, right? Yep. So when they came home, they both immediately at the food bowl would hover and growl because that was their association around food. So every time I would put half of their food down in a bowl and the other half I'd have in my hand and I'd walk up, I would say their name and I'd just drop the food in the bowl. Awesome. Just walk up say their name, drop the food in the bowl, walk away Mm -hmm. for their whole entire meal. So that that way, what it meant was when I walk up to them and I say their name, that means mom's bringing more goodness. And then you can even up the ante, like Sabrina said, add something super delicious, like chicken or anything like that, where you're adding where like, oh my God, mom's coming. Like, forget the kibble, give me the chicken. Right. So that your positive association with your approach is is opposed to a negative association with your approach. So that's what we mean when we say counter conditioning is like the conditioning already is that your approach means stress. Now we're doing the opposite. We're countering that by saying our approach means yummy. Yep. So that we're releasing the stress and we're going. So then what happens is when you walk up to your dog, they come out of their food and they go, what do you have for me? Right. Thanks for showing up instead of, oh my God, here she comes. So now what about the dogs that steal things? So that, that situation, you can counter condition that, but the best way to do that is to be Mm non-emotional. Your dogs are looking for something specific. And in that moment, it's not food. It's not yumminess that they're looking for activity and engagement. Mm Mm-hmm. It's more of a, a brain interaction. They're yep. bored. They're looking to get a rise out of you. Okay. So in that moment, if your dog has something that they shouldn't have, they're because your dog comes to you and looks at you in that tone of voice with yes. the thing hanging out of their mouth. <laughs> like, it's like, there should be like a little um, sound effect that right. goes with it. Right. They're like, hello. So like they literally, they come around the corner and they make sure you see them. Oh, and it's so, it's like clear as day. They're yes. like, do you see, do you see what I have in my mouth? Like what I, yep. because they know that that triggers a response out of you. So the calmer that you are in those moments, yep. the less of like, the less of the rise that your dog right. is getting out of you. Because they're looking for the interaction. They're looking for right. the engagement. So even if you're like, oh, do you want to play? Do you want to get a toy? Do you want to go outside? What do you want to do? Even if you're not confrontational, but you come at it from that angle, the dog goes, hey, if I want mom to pay attention to me, if I want dad to pay attention to me, I go get the boxers. Right. Like, yep. And then that's And I take off do. with and them. And then I take off. And then we have a fun time. So neutrality is super important in those moments. And also, 
engaging your dog in a different manner, right? Because yes. we all go for the chase. Oh, yeah. Right? So that Give should not that. be what you're doing. Right. You should offer your dog maybe something different, mm-hmm. um, either in exchange or the fact that, and, and really, like, really at the end of the day, like, take a moment and see what your dog has. Because if it's not something that's going to harm them, really let that kind of go and don't make it something that causes you to interact with the dog in the manner that they want, which is the engagement. And more importantly, start engaging your dog when they have things they should have. Yes. Right? When they pick up the dog toy, that's a great time to engage them. So they grab dad's boxers. Yep. That's not going to get a rise out of you. No. Nope. Right? You're like, all right, you got something, whatever. Mm-hmm. He grabs the the Kong toy or the rope toy or whatever. whatever. That's when you should act mm-hmm. like he has dad's boxers. Yeah. Oh my God, you want to play? Mm-hmm. Give me your toy. Bring and me then your toy. that toy is the context of playing. So the dog will then go and grab those items as opposed to the off limits items. And, and the broader picture of this is that if your dog is, is continually on a, on a regular basis trying to engage with you through these venues, inappropriate, albeit inappropriately, I always ask like, what are you doing to teach appropriate engagement? Yes. Encouraging toy play, but are you walking with your dog? Are you, are you working with your dog? Are you having... Are you providing him with physical and mental outlets that they need? Correct. Because those types of things, and if you are, maybe that's the time to install an off switch. Yep. Which should be our next podcast. It should. Maybe that will be. Um, which is the time to install the, the off switch of, yes, you've had physical activity, mental activity, enrichment activity. Now it's time for you to turn it off and rest. You don't need to go 24-7. But like, so those types of things you can ask yourself, why is my dog continually grabbing this? Is it because we're understimulated or is it because we're overstimulated and don't know how to calm down? Mm -hmm. But in those moments when they have something, yes, being as neutral as possible, if you need to get the item back, you're afraid it's going to be destroyed or swallowed, calmly walk over, get a treat, get a toy, ask them if they have to go outside, like just here. Do you want this cookie? Change the narrative. Change the narrative. They drop the sock to eat the cookie, pick mm-hmm. up the sock, put it away, go back to what you were doing. Yep. Piece of cake. Absolutely. Piece of cake. Piece of cake mm-hmm. that I'm going to guard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guard that too. So I hope that was helpful for you guys in the context of how um, humans can manifest resource guarding with their dogs. Uh, and how you can start to change the narrative around that and, and be less confrontational because... And that's the key. Yes. And because I, it's no human's intent to be in confrontational no. with their dog. No, and, and you're, doing it out of a, you're doing it out of the safety of your dog. Like, no right. one's like, I can't wait to go beat up my dog when he grabs my socks. Right. Nobody <laughs> thinks that. And so this is one of those things where we... This is just the myth that's been kind of permeated dog ownership for years of this is how you combat this Mm -hmm. but the longer that we're in this industry the more and more we see it that people are 
causing the behaviors they're trying to prevent. Exactly. And and you can you there are definitely ways to make sure your dogs are are safe and polite around food and items. But sticking your hands in their food, being it's confrontational, just rude. it's rude. It's rude. And your dog is responding to that. So yep. if you want to make sure your dog is good around food, do the things that we suggested. Do not fuss with your dog when they're eating. Just don't do it. Nobody likes a French fry stealer. No. No. Sean will deck them. <laughs> All right. Well... It was nice chatting with you all. Absolutely. We're going to sit here by this campfire and enjoy a couple of more cocktails with this babbling brook on this beautiful summer evening. And um, we can't wait to get on here again and chat with you all some more about all things dogs. All things dogs. All right. Good night, guys. Good night. <laughs>